Hey, this is Sean Leary, and this is a very special episode of QC Uncut. We are here at the Hauberg Center, and we are going to be taping in its entirety the meeting on the courthouse, the Rock Island Courthouse situation. We've just started. Joe Lemon is speaking currently, so we're going to pick up right where he has begun. And so we, we scheduled this event. Uh, for those of you who have been tracking this issue for a year or more, you know that that we've been appearing in a variety of different public uh, meetings. We've tried to get on the agenda of, of different bodies of government uh, with more or less success in different instances. And so really tonight we wanted a chance to have almost a study session to discuss uh, what's going on with the courthouse and what the opportunities are. Uh, I don't uh, want to take the time to specifically thank each of the elected officials who are here tonight. So let me just thank them all generally. Uh, really appreciate your attendance because it's important that you know what an important issue this is for your community as, as illustrated by, among other things, the strong attendance here tonight. Uh, just to give you kind of a sequence of what we're hoping to do. Uh, oh, great. Thank you. Can people hear me okay? Or should um, what we'd like to do is, is uh, I'm going to turn over uh, the mic, so to speak, metaphorically, uh, to uh, Alderman Dylan Parker, and he'll explain a little bit about the, his perspective on the courthouse as a sitting alderman for the city of Rock Island. And then we're very fortunate to have also from Landmarks, Illinois, Frank Butterfield, who has spent his whole career working on projects like this and has been really collaborating uh, with our community to help us get an opportunity to save this important structure in a way that doesn't cost the taxpayers any money because that's an important consideration on our end as well. I, I, I think before we kick off the, the different discussions though, I, I think it's important that you understand that, that those of us who support the preservation of the, of the courthouse are here really with the highest spirit and best intentions, meaning we view this as part of our community, and we want for all of us to collaborate and cooperate. The reason I mention that is because there has, has been sort of a necessary uh, division, it appears, between a, a perception of people who support demolishing the courthouse and those you know, thousands of us who want to, who want to save it. And it, it's really important that, that we would like to move past the kind of the disagreement about that and really come together as a community. In particular, we think that this kind of opportunity will be like one of the first dominoes to fall that can really help grow uh, the Rock Island County community and the Quad Cities. And so this is an opportunity, we feel, uh, to work in this collaborative way. So that's the spirit that we come here tonight. We're happy to answer any questions, no matter you know how, how stringent or uh, are difficult they are because we prefer to give you really complete answers on any concerns or criticisms that you have um, while we move forward because that's how we're going to have the best result. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Dylan Parker, Alderman for City Council. For City Rock. Thank you to all the fifth ward people here tonight that gave me that opportunity to do so. 
Um, just for those of you that are not familiar with Rock Island's wards, you are currently in Rock Island's fifth ward. Uh, it is pretty much all of downtown and a lot of the historic neighborhoods around the downtown, Broadway, Greenbush, Highland Park, and then uh, up by the College Hill District. Uh, obviously, if you know those areas, historic preservation is a very important issue to my constituents and to me personally. Uh, my wife and I and my family, I have my two-year-old daughter Antigone here tonight, so sorry if she starts getting difficult and I have to go pay attention to her, but she's got Netflix on my phone, so hopefully, hopefully she'll be okay. But uh, my family moved into our home in the Broadway neighborhood and uh, Five, year, or yeah, five years ago recently, and the house was built in 1890, so we are very familiar with the fun of uh, historic preservation, but honestly, the historic nature of our neighborhood was probably the, um, it was either the historic nature and the unique character of our neighborhood, or the, uh, the very organized neighbors that I have. I mean, it is a powerhouse of organizing for neighborhoods in Rock Island and the Quad Cities. Those two reasons are why I chose to live in uh, Rock Island and in Broadway. I grew up in Davenport, and I'm one of these unicorns that you know went from Iowa over to Illinois. You always hear the opposite, but we have a lot of unique uh, and really special things in Rock Island. One of them being our uh, our dedication to historic preservation. Uh, so I I'm here tonight uh, to discuss sort of um, the perspective from being on Rock Island City Council. Uh, the, so the, obviously the Rock Island County Courthouse is in the city of Rock Island. Uh, a number of months ago, Rock Island City Council passed a resolution saying that the city of Rock Island would be willing to enter into an intergovernmental agreement with Rock Island County for the privatization and redevelopment of the Rock Island County Courthouse. Uh, there, so as one of the proponents of that resolution, I often got peppered with questions of, well, what is this Rock Island's business? Why do we care? And really, I mean, beside my own personal dedication to historic preservation and all of the maybe warm and fuzzy aspects of it, really the big thing to me came down to uh, expanding the tax rolls for the city of Rock Island and for Rock Island County and for the uh, potential spur, you know, the, the spark for economic development in downtown Rock Island. Uh, that, Resolution included a lot of important language about how uh, the, if we were able to privatize the courthouse and turn it into lofts, turn it into offices, turn it into retail, turn it into uh, anything besides a government-owned building, that would generate property taxes, that would generate sales tax, that would generate a number of different revenue sources for the city and the county. And this is in a time when the city of Rock Island, uh, I'm very honest and open with my constituents, the city of Rock Island it has some financial stresses. We all know this, and we all know that the, the county government also has its financial stresses. Uh, one of the major reasons that the city of Rock Island has the higher property tax rates in comparison to some of our neighbors is because we, is because we don't have as robust of a, um, of a retail or uh, economic sector in our city, and so we don't benefit from all of the purchases that take place in neighboring municipalities when Rock Island residents go and shop at Target and Moline, the city of Rock Island doesn't get a cent of those sales tax generated. Uh, so you can understand that uh, if we don't have the if we don't have the same amount of sales tax revenue as our neighbors, but we have similar expenses, 
we have to go someplace for the money to pay for these things, and it falls largely on property taxpayers in Rock Island. So, understanding that that is a very big issue, uh, I, as an alderman in Rock Island, work tirelessly to try to identify any possible way in which we can generate sales tax, other different types of revenue for the city so that I don't have to continue. For the past two years of being on city council, every single budget that I've been a part of has included a property tax raise. I would like to stop doing that. I can't guarantee that I would stop doing that, but I'm going to work, you know, work to be able to not do that in the future. One of those ways is by identifying places where we can strategically redevelop or create new businesses, right? So that brings me to the, the courthouse. The courthouse is, was and is currently owned by a governmental entity. As such, they don't pay property taxes. You can't have sales tax generated from the business that took place in the courthouse. But if we could convert that into a privately owned and operated business of some sort, that would have a lot more uh, revenue for the city. Uh, that is really the singular most important issue that I advocated for the city of Rock Island sticking out its neck and saying, hey, we are more than happy to come to the table with the county and say, we want to work with you. This, this benefits us, this benefits you. Uh, you know, the county, with it being located within the county, it, the county would also receive those tax revenues as well. Uh, and something that I, I identified from serving on Rock Island City Council and just you know being the local government nut that I am, I pay attention to the county government. Uh, it's sort of my hobby, you know, politics. Uh, and and there is a there is a significant difference in the way in which uh, municipal governments and county governments uh, operate, or just sort of the structure of the county government versus the municipal government that I identified. And the municipal government, the city of Rock Island has a lot of the experience, the bandwidth, the staff, the experience, the community partners that could facilitate the sale and redevelopment of a multi-million dollar project like the Rock Island County Courthouse. And so that's why in our resolution, we offer to the county, hey, this benefits both of us. If you agree to work with us to say, yeah, we'll, we will you know, offer to work with you to redevelop the courthouse, to privatize it, and it was explicitly to privatize it, not to redevelop it and continue it being owned by the county government. Um, but if you agree to work with us, we will lend our resources that we have to get this done. Uh, I, again, as from being from the municipal government side of things, I, there, there's a number of steps that a local government should take when considering selling or redeveloping a property. Uh, the, the city government has a lot of experience with that, uh, especially with working with our partners like the Development Association of Rock Island, Dari. The, they have poured millions of dollars in partnership with the city of Rock Island into downtown Rock Island to create, I mean, the, the city of Rock Island pioneered urban redevelopment in the Quad Cities back in the 80s, right? Renaissance loft, gold, gold, Goldman lofts, all of the stuff that Renaissance Rock Island was doing a couple decades ago, the city of Rock Island has proven that we can work together with our community partners to get these multi-million dollar projects going. Right now, we have a development agreement with Saratoga Capital to get the best building, $15 million project just a few blocks away from the courthouse to convert it from an empty vacant building into a, uh, a boutique hotel, a apartments, and uh, retail. So, uh, 
you know, the city of Rock Island has the experience to do things like feasibility studies, uh, to, to put together RFQs, similar to what the counties are doing right now with the nursing home, where there's a process, right, that the, the county or, or any local government may not have the expertise to know how to market a building or know how to develop a building a certain way. But that's where governments put out requests for qualifications, requests for information, requests for um, RFPs, requests for proposals, thank you, where the, the government just says, hey, here's our idea, right? We, we have this building here. Uh, we are interested in converting it into housing or retail or office, whatever, multi-use. Uh, you know, somebody from the private sector who knows what they're doing, please help us get there. Now, I have been, it's pretty ironic, the day after the city of Rock Island passed that resolution, that said that we are more than willing to use our staff to help the county in drafting RFQs, to help the county in figuring out how to go about coming up with a feasibility study to see what the community wants there. There's been tons of ideas thrown out there the museum, How's all the stuff that I've listed here, right? There's all these ideas going everywhere. Nobody knows whether it could be done. Nobody knows if it should be done, if it would make money or whatever, but that is the very point of a feasibility study. And the city of Rock Island has said, hey, we are more than happy to help come up with this feasibility study in partnership with the private sector too. The city of Rock Island's not gonna pay for all of it. The county, we don't want the county to pay for all, you know, any of it, all of it. The private sector can help too. And so uh, the day after we passed that resolution, I had an email from Gorman, which is a, if not regional, I think they're a national development group. I mean, big development group. They just did a project in Moline. They do projects all around. They have offices in Chicago, I believe, and Milwaukee. Uh, I got an email from somebody from Gorman saying, uh, we saw that you passed this resolution. We are very interested in the courthouse. Can you give me some more information on it? Right? So uh, I have letters up here. I only have five. There's clearly more than five of those. But uh, for those that are interested, I have letters from the private sector, from developers, from development groups saying that redeveloping, privatizing, redeveloping the courthouse is possible. And that if we want to have, if we want to have housing, if we want to have retail, if we want to have things in that location, there are steps to take to get there and we would be more than happy to do that with you, right? So, um, I don't know if that's more than what, uh, what people were wanting me to talk about, but uh, in summary, my perspective on the city, the city is there, the city is willing to help, the city has the expertise. From my perspective, the private sector is there. The private sector says we are interested in doing something with this building, if you are. And uh, as I've said from the very beginning, it's not the city's building, uh, it is the county's building, and ultimately, the county has to be the one that makes the decision. But I hope that events like tonight can clarify some things, because there is a lot of confusion on this complex subject. There's no developers interested. The county can't develop it. Uh, you know, we, we've tried developing, we tried selling it to somebody, uh, but there, there are clear ways that I have the expertise being on city council and that my staff has even more expertise to get this done. And I'm more than happy from the city side to be a partner in doing that. So thank you very much for your time. I think we have a couple chairs in here if anyone standing would like to sit down. There's actually side seating over here, so I hate for people to have to stand for the next half hour or so. 
So please feel free to come on in and it won't be a disturbance. Hey, Joe? Yeah. So tell you what, let's do this. Let's, let's uh, <laughs> talk for a few minutes and then we'll open it up for Q&A and then, um, but I appreciate it. So the, just so you know, the question was, what, what is the county's response to that? And I think that there are county board members and other elected officials who are here, and uh, I think in general their desire is to get educated on the subject, to see the wealth of in information here, the great diversity of people who are here who support this. And, and you know, as with any ad hoc group, you know, we're, we're not affiliated one another, we're just joined by this common interest. And I think there's two driving principles leading the momentum on this issue. The first is saving taxpayer dollars. We, we want to be mindful of how uh, our, our money and our assets are used and allocated. And then the second issue is uh, honoring the history of our community. And one, one of the great benefits that older communities like ours has is, is these great structures. You know, craftsmen worked on this over 100 years ago, generations have come and gone. It was designed in a way to stand the test of time with materials made of stone that are many millions of years old that are the same kind of stone that are in the Empire State Building, that are in the Pentagon, that are in the University of Chicago, that are in the Biltmore Estate. These are buildings that, that people are honoring all over the country as we should do with our own. But uh, I'll, I'll pick up later. But in the meantime, let me please introduce uh, Frank Butterfield from Landmarks, Illinois, is going to describe uh, what his involvement has been and, uh, and more generally uh, what he, he does around the state to help in instances such as this. Thanks so much. Um, my name is Frank Butterfield. I'm uh, director of the Springfield Office for Landmarks, Illinois. We are uh, the private, statewide, nonprofit preservation organization. We're, we're here to support people, save the places that they care about. And it's so wonderful to see so many people here tonight uh, in this wonderful building. Because while I live and breathe and help people with older, historic places, really we're looking towards the future. What, are these, what, what, uh, what service can these places have for us tomorrow and for the next generation? And here we are in a very old building but it's thriving with activity tonight. Mm -hmm. So I work across the state of Illinois helping, helping all sorts of different types of groups, homeowners, business owners, elected officials, and here's just a couple of representative projects. Uh, we gave a, a grant to the McCoupin County Courthouse down in Carlinville. Um, we just had a great uh, bit of news with uh, State Farm headquarters in Bloomington. Uh, State Farm was gonna spend a couple million dollars to tear down their historic Art Deco headquarters in downtown Bloomington. We got a group together, got the word out, and a developer from Rockford uh, is actually going to close in that building in October and save it from the landfill. And then Ryan's Round Barn is in Kiwani, uh, and that's one we just had a bit of good news where a new roof is on that. We were big advocates, it was on our endangered list. That, that's one where you know, uh, we need to put a roof on before the roof problem becomes the structure problem. So we want to be economical with our resources and, uh, and, and spend what few resources we have before the problem becomes too large. But again, we're, we're talking about people. So here's Claire Gerlich and Quincy, who basically single-handedly with her husband uh, saved their neighborhood one house at a time. But focusing on people in Rockford, what was a dilapidated, blighted, uh, the Peacock Brewery is now a hub of activity 
Uh, I remember the developer there saying, you know, we thought we were going to get um, a ton of millennials who want to live downtown and have the docks and the, the tavern. And they've got a mix of millennials and retirees who want to get rid of their big houses and be downtown. But we're as strong as our local partners. You know, we're running around the state. Uh, uh, and, you know, here we've had a wonderful relationship with the Rock Island Preservation Society, the Moline Preservation Society. We'll be honoring the story here at Hallberg at our, our uh, uh, Driehaus Preservation Awards. So we invite you to attend all that, um, as, as well as we gave a grant last year to the uh, Prospect Park Pavilion in Moline. But to, the, to the, the main point for you tonight is the courthouse. Just to give you a brief history on, on uh, my own involvement on behalf of Landmarks Illinois, um, I, I had been aware of the project for, for several years through, again, our local partners, but did a site visit in 2017 with some discussions on reuse. Uh, this is sort of the, the major bullet points because I can keep you here all night. Um, we featured the building on our 2018 Most Endangered Historic Places, which is our, our big statewide program. We followed that up with, you know, uh, outreach and letters, and you know, one of them was uh, published in the uh, Dispatch Argus saying don't raise the courthouse, explore reuse, and Landmarks Illinois is uh, ready and willing to help with uh, any expertise or analysis needed towards the reuse of the courthouse. So we want, we're here, um, you know, while things sometimes, as, as Joe hinted, seem adversarial, we want to support uh, breathing new life, breathing new tax revenue, breathing new activity <coughs> in these historic places. <coughs> Um, following the vote to demolish in, in July of 2018, in November, the county board received a letter basically saying that the building needed to go through the uh, state preservation law. Uh, I could read aspects of that law, but uh, we all have better things to do with our time. Uh, basically, I'll touch on parts of it in a minute, but again, uh, you know, our focus there was built from the, the ground up. We, we got involved more heavily because we heard such strong support from the community, from the region, from the state, and uh, that was reflected when we took the very, very rare action of, of filing a lawsuit, which you might be aware of, and that with our, our, our co-plaintiffs were local organizations such as Rock Island Preservation Society, Moline Preservation Society, Broadway Historic District Association, but you know, we're, we're involved there as a co-plaintiff on, uh, on behalf of this, you know, the, the state as a state nonprofit organization, Landmarks Illinois. But just to highlight again, too, that we have the National Preservation Organization, the, the National Trust for Historic Preservation, as a co-plaintiff in that suit. They're, they're the ones chartered by Congress in 1949, and their involvement is, is rare in these matters, just to, again, hit home the importance of what we're all at here. <coughs> just to touch on the, the lawsuit, you know, there's one section about the use of the bonds and the public uh, Building Commission Act and how those bonds are used when the site is expanded, whether they go to the voters for referendum or seek a three-fourth vote of the city council. So that's one portion of it. Again, not to sit too long on that, but there's the annex, there's the courthouse. And then uh, the Preservation Act uh, basically um, uh, says that the Public Building Commission and the Rock Island County Board engaged with the Illinois State Historic Preservation Office. That's within the Department of National Resources. And basically make a good faith effort to uh, see, does this project adverse historic resources? So demolition would be an adverse impact. And then um, seek any feasible or prudent alternatives uh, uh, to, to, or potential mitigation to avoid that impact. Um, so next slide here. Just to give you a couple examples of courthouses that have gone through 
such that, that state uh, preservation act uh, process. Uh, in uh, down south, uh, Gallatin County Courthouse, as well as the Morgan County Courthouse close to me in Jacksonville. Also, I feel like some folks don't know that the state of Illinois has weighed in on this issue. Uh, a couple months ago, uh, the Attorney General's office filed an amicus brief, um, a friend of the court, basically saying the former courthouse is subject to the Preservation Act because the Illinois Environmental Prote uh, Protection uh, Agency is uh, engaged in an undertaking, undertaking related to it. I can quickly devolve into preservation jargon. The essence here is this is not just a couple people in Rock Island saying that this law applies. This is a, a statewide nonprofit organization. This is the national nonprofit organization and even the state of Illinois Attorney General's office saying this applies. In addition, we have pro bono uh, legal support from Jenner and Block. Uh, they're founded in 1914 and an international law firm with over 500 lawyers. Really, reputation as a, as a powerhouse in litigation. They see this as a, a valuable um, issue to, to be involved in and have donated their services pro bono. So as we got involved with the, 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 the lawsuit aspect too, we wanted to continue to bring resources to bear. So pretty soon after, we were able to secure uh, a, a, an engineer from Wisjani Elsner. And just to give you sort of an indication of the buildings on which they work, Wisjani Elsner was involved with the, when the staining was happening on the St. Louis Arch, as well as the beautiful Nebraska State Capitol. But Sarah Van Donnellan, uh, from which Jenny Elsner was able to examine the Rock Island County Courthouse, the, the structural portion of it, and uh, reported back the limestone masonry facades are generally in good condition for a building of its age and construction type. And based on my observation, the courthouse building is structurally stable, but in need of repair and maintenance. I wish it, when, I, when I hit uh, 100 and you know, change years old that I just need a little bit of repair and maintenance. <laughs> I, I take that, but structurally sound, if, if people are saying to you the building cannot be repaired, you know, you have, you have the firm that works on major landmarks, Washington Monument was the only one which Jenny Elsner worked on, saying the building is structurally sound and able to be repaired. Also, uh, famous architects, uh, restoration architects, have waded into Gunny Harbo uh, here at one of his projects at, at the Rookery Building in Chicago. That's a Daniel Burnham building with the Frank Lloyd Wright lobby. He helped restore, saying, he has over 30 years of experience dealing with historic buildings, and the courthouse presents itself as a prime candidate for adaptive reuse. So again, some of his projects there, including the Rookery Staircase on the left and Unity Temple, which uh, just had a massive restoration project. Been, having been to Oak Park recently, it's worth a visit. But again, I, I want to note that uh, Landmarks Illinois has few resources, and we're, we're uh, a big impact around the state on a lot of projects. So, Often we're working collaboratively to try to figure out riddles of how to put historic buildings back into service. So here's an example of Princeton, Illinois, where you know we had community sessions and looked at the downtown and got together. And their priority was putting districts in the National Register. And we were successful with city support of listing two districts in the National Register. They were also looking at the economic incentives that go along with that. So while again this is um, a, a little bit of an odd situation with. The lawsuit, we still want to bring our resources to bear to support uh, all the locals in Rock Island, Moline, the county at large. And we want to talk tonight about uh, private market reuse. Um, and uh, I, I don't want to uh, repeat what Dylan already said about 
Now, there's a pretty standard sort of approach by which you evaluate the private market. What developers don't like is uncertainty. If they have to guess about a half dozen variables, well, then they're going to go to the project that has it all clarity and they know what they can get out of it. So the one thing they're not tempted to put a bid in for is if you haven't even put the building up for sale. So you really, and through a big project like this, you have to do one of those RFQ or RFP or RFI processes. And it's one just the county, unfortunately, has never gone through. So we saw you know, not much uh, response there because there was no, no process for which a, a developer to engage themselves. After July vote to demolish, uh, some private groups got together and put out a call for proposals. And we were fortunate enough to get several responses. Again, in a market where a developer is going to be not too keen on investing their resources when the owner is saying they're intending to demolish. Joe is going to talk to us some more about his experience. Uh, 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 for example, the Abbey, early, early 20th century building, renovated in 1992, and the Abbey Station since then. Just to highlight that I'm often working with communities that are hunting for these developers. They want to find them. They want to say, how can we get you to spend your resources in our community? I think Rock Island should take a pause and say, how can we help engage these folks that want to spend their money here? And you can do dozens of courthouse reuses. Here's Worcester counties turning theirs into housing, even some modern ones down in Pennsylvania. But you can see that they built a new courthouse and they're consolidating all their county functions into their old courthouse and then selling off some of their other county buildings for private reuse. And why do developers are they so keen on these historic buildings? Well, one of them is there's, there's one reason is there are wonderful preservation incentives for them. One is the 20% federal historic tax credit for buildings uh, on the National Register, this building would qualify. Uh, they can get a 20% rehab credit. But also, we just passed, as of January 1st this year, a new state historic tax credit. <laughs> Excuse me. Representative Halpin, I, I have to give you your thanks to getting that incentive passed, because we've already seen the first batch of projects come through and uh, economic development throughout the state that otherwise wouldn't happen. Um, when we look at, uh, sorry, my we will look at the first batch of projects. Hotel Belleville is one of the ones that got funding. Um, there are five priority, um, uh, excuse me, five <coughs> project five priorities. Uh, Hotel Belleville was the top in line. It's got four out of the five. No one else got four in that first round. I was kind of thinking about, you know, what could this project here get? Well, it could get, it's in a border county. It could get previously government owned, because the county owns it. It's in the right census tracts to qualify. This is the one Belleville didn't qualify for because the first round we didn't have any emergency declarations. But now, because of the flooding, we actually would qualify for that one here. And then, depending on how you structure the deal, you could have a low-profit entity involved. So potentially, this project could be the first one to qualify for all five before we go through. And just to look to, to Belleville as a little case study quickly, you know, that was a downtown building on the bottom right there that the city came into ownership of and didn't know what to do. There wasn't, it was right around 2008, not the best time to be owning a, a building and trying to sell it if you're a city. Uh, so eventually, in a couple of years, 2012, they decided to demolish. Uh, we put it on the most endangered, trying to see if we could elevate it and help the city out. And the city, to their credit, said, okay, what can we do? What, what, how do we figure this out? And we helped uh, get a conditions assessment done for the building, showing despite crumbling plaster and peeling paint, 
the building was sound, it built like a tank, um, and then got the building determined <coughs> eligible for the National Register. Yay history, but more yay historic tax credits for the building. <laughs> and then the city said, okay, now what? You know, they said, we said, put out a request for proposals. Say, hey developers, you get tax credits. Here's what we can offer you from the city. Here's the amenities, here's our market. Here's what we need in Belleville. And the city did that, put out that RFP. And then uh, it was announced a $12 million project happening in downtown Belleville, senior housing, uh, uh, right, right in the downtown. And the quote there that but for the historic tax credits, the project would not be possible. So what would have been a municipal expenditure on demolition, a municipal expenditure on a downtown park, one tiny little park, uh, now is off um, the city's budget line. It is uh, producing tax revenue as a private uh, lot and will create jobs and economic activity in downtown Belleville. So just in sum, you know, we look at reuse, we're looking at private incentives, tax credits, federal, state, we're looking at tax revenue, we're looking at job creation. Demolition, we know we have to pay demolition costs, taxpayer funded, we, we won't have tax revenue from that lot, and any new construction will no longer be eligible for those tax credits. We have a whole report on our website about courthouse reuse and the economic benefits of investing in our historic courthouses. You can see that at landmarks.org. There's some wonderful pie charts that you can't read here, but you can read on our website, landmarks.org. And then, you know, we could, we could have a whole session on economic benefits. There's also the sustainability benefits. I mean, we're talking about thousands of tons of waste getting thrown in the landfill, um, as well as the cultural benefits. I was at an economics of preservation lecture about a week and a half ago, and to echo Joe's point about people who were hyper-focused on taxes, and people who were hyper-focusing on uh, the environment, and the economists made the joke that this is one area where like, the Tea Party and the Sierra Club should be holding hands, is to trying to save historic buildings because it's great for taxes and it's great for the environment. Mm -hmm. So, any questions? I left my cards out on the table, my business cards, my phone number, and email, but I'll also be here for questions later on. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was Frank Butterfield from the state of Illinois. This is Joe Lemon, local developer. Thus far is, I think a lot of people have probably thought, you know, driven past the courthouse over the past year or so and said, you know, wait a minute, this is crazy. Why are we tearing this thing down? And perhaps a lot of you have said, well, surely I must be in a minority position because otherwise why would they be doing this? And what I'm hearing, again, as I've been hearing week after week, month after month, for over a year now, is preserving the courthouse is not the minority position. It's the majority position. All the people in the room, all the friends that you know, the people who are at the federal level, the people who are at the state level, the people who are at the city level, the, the county board is surrounded by voices in opposition of this, this poor decision, which we have the good fortune of being able to reverse without having had this building torn down. So we can press pause on this, go through a formal process, as has been described, with the request for proposals and soliciting investors. That's a good segue to me. Why am I here? Why am I involved in this? Well, my interest in this is like most of the people in this room. I care about this community. I care about our historic buildings. I value our tax revenue and our public assets. I happen to have also, together with my family, have had experience in renovating historic properties 
principally here in the Quad Cities, the Abbey over in Bettendorf, former 100-year-old monastery, and also Abbey Station here in Rock Island. So we have a little bit of experience with this, and we're, we have we're the good fortune, thanks to our hard work over many years, to be able to have the assets to, to be the ones who would invest in this, um, and to take advantage of the tax credits that, that were addressed. Having said that, this is not the Joe Lemon show. I'm not trying to advance our personal interest in this. If there are, are better developers, we, we would invite them to come forward. We can collaborate with them. We can step aside. We, I'll, I'll, I'll take any role. I, I, like, like the city of Rock Island, I volunteer <coughs> my time and resources as a project manager for free for the project to help find a future use for it. So this is not a, it's a, a personal uh, economic agenda for, for me and my family, rather it's something, uh, how can we help the community? So when I give my uh, hopefully brief comments here, uh, you, you're hoping, um, that, that please understand that I'm not doing this in, in order to try to advance our own uh, personal financial interests here, uh, but just as to, to show you that there are people who, in my, who are in my position who can do this, and incidentally, for the reasons said earlier, uh, more people will come out of the woodworks when they know the opportunity is available to them. So I, I, I'm going to try to go quickly through this because it's a longer presentation, but just to reiterate the point, you know, here we are trying to work as a community. We're not interested in controversy. We're not interested in fighting. We, we want to resolve this lawsuit that's going on and work together. Uh, we can, we can, uh, we've got a lot of community support for this. We're talking about investment in the local community. My pro forma anticipates about an $8 million investment in the building. And that's, that goes to good local jobs and, uh, and then purchasing supplies and materials as well. We save taxpayer dollars, as mentioned earlier, from avoiding the un unnecessary demolition. And, and I would add, we think that there's a kind of a moral and ethical component to this too. Why would we necessarily tear down these valuable historic uh, cultural assets? I, th I think we've had over 3,000 people sign our petition on change.org. If you haven't done that, please go there. there with, with all due respect to all of the controversial is issues that are facing the county and, uh, and, and our community, like Hope Creek and others, I submit to you that there's no issue that has more public support than preserving this courthouse. So uh, we want to keep make sure that our officials understand that so that they can work with us you know, why run for office if not to fulfill the ambitions of the communities that you serve, right? Mm -hmm. That's why we're here. So we have a lot of people who are supporting us internationally around renowned architects, business leaders, school teachers, uh, uh, community prof uh, university professors, community organizers. Literally, the, the political spectrum from Bernie Sanders to Donald Trump and everybody in between. It's a galvanizing uh, issue. We talked about Gunny Harbo, this famous architect who supports us. Um, this is the uh, amicus brief that was referred to earlier where the state of Illinois is joining and uh, supporting the lawsuit of Landmarks Illinois and others to enjoin the county from the demolition. Um, this discusses the economic development, which I won't be labor because it's been addressed, but let me draw your attention to this quote from our colleague Kyle Carter, who was the executive director of the Downtown Davenport Partnership. He says, it's safe to state that over $500 million has been invested in Downtown Davenport over the last 20 years, and a significant proportion of that 
is directly related to the use of historic tax credits. So if you've driven in downtown Davenport and you see these old historic buildings and they keep saving another one, keep saving another one, people are moving in and it's lost and it's restaurants and it's hotels, and you say, well, how is this all happening? The big differentiating factor for a long time has been that Iowa has state historic tax credits and Illinois hasn't until leadership uh, brought that uh, through legislation and we thank you for that. And so now, Now we're on par with our colleagues across the river and we have more opportunity for that. And by the way, this is a, a good opportunity to make a point which I think is important. The, the tax incentives that will be allocated through your legislation will be spent in Illinois. And if, if we don't spend them on our courthouse, they'll be spent somewhere else. It'll be more in Belleville and more in Springfield and more in Champaign and, and, and not here. So this is our opportunity to get, these are, who paid this money? You paid this money. This is how you get it back into your community. Um, like uh, Frank said, I, I, I won't bore you with the numbers. You know, the math is pretty simple on the credits. In, in the case of the project that I'm imagining, you spend eight million bucks, you get 25% state historic tax credits back, so that's two million. You get uh, uh, 20 percent uh, 20 back in the federal, that's another 1.6. You know, simple math, it's almost 50 cents on the dollar. So what, what reasonable investor wouldn't want to do a project like that, we more or less get half the money back uh, when the project is finished? And the other thing that's kind of interesting is in rehab projects, more of the investment is spent on labor, meaning jobs, meaning your neighbors, meaning people put that money in their pocket, and then they go to high V and it trickles down throughout our economy, than on materials. Which are, which are spent once, pay taxes once, and they go away. Talked about Hotel Belleville. Reason I bring this up and want to piggyback on what Frank said is, this is actually happening. People who, so the, the, the scant few people who think demolition is a good idea say, well, you know, they, they passed that law, but you'll never get those historic tax credits from Illinois. Untrue. Frank just laid out that the courthouse would have been the most preferred projects had it been on this year's uh, list. This is the performer that I've put together based on, um, based on the uh, estimates provided to the county. I didn't solicit these. These are county-derived estimates for construction um, uh, in, in coordination with those construction firms. Can't read it here, happy to share it with you later. Uh, this is sort of an interesting point because the, the cost of renovation typically is way less expensive than the cost of, of new construction. And so, we, as I said earlier, we want our officials to be mindful of how they spend our money and preserve our assets. The, the new Justice Annex Center was built for over $600 per square foot. Ask yourself if your house is worth $600 per square foot. Probably not, right? The IH Mississippi Valley Credit Union building that's going up on River Drive, big, beautiful, glass and steel um, Taj Mahal, that's going to come in at under $300 a square foot, what less than half of what the county spent to build your courthouse annex. Meanwhile, our estimates on the preservation are less than $150 per square foot. That's, and, and that's not nothing. That's a significant investment. That's real money. That, that goes into the drywall, into the steel, into the screws and the bolts and everything that go in there. So it's, it's, not, it's not fiction. It's real money. Um, 
but it's still so much less than what any new construction would be. I'm not going to go over the recent controversies with the county, but they're, they're well documented. Um, <coughs> same. <laughs> same. Um, what, what, I'll, I'll take a moment on this point. The city of Rock Island has introduced ordinances to require a certificate of appropriateness when you're modifying a historic building. And whether or not the courthouse, as of yet, has applied to that, we think that the spirit of that should have been honored, and was not. This, this courthouse is going to be within the boundary of a new uh, historic district, and so it will have heightened uh, preservation benefits as a result of that. If the line was drawn specifically to include the courthouse, it kind of pops out there uh, to allow for that. Here's, here's one of the issues that galvanizes those who support this. You know, about six months ago, Notre Dame in Paris, the cathedral, went up in flames. And the world kind of shut down for a couple days. I mean, it was on TV all the time. Everybody was mourning. People from around the world started sending money in to, to begin the immediate uh, resurrection of that wonderful building. Meanwhile, in our own community, we say, get the cranes out, get the wrecking ball. We're going to, not by fire, not by accident, not by act of God, but by our own choosing, tear down this beautiful building. And we think that that's just uh, a morally bankrupt decision. Uh, we're told by, you know, we talked to, we've been going around having interviews, talking with people. We're told that they, the reason that they want to tear down your historic courthouse is, is yes, in the, in the near term to have a green space, but then afterward to build a juvenile justice center. Mm -hmm. right? I have not heard that. No. That's just not, I have not heard that. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's great. Then, then let's, let's put that on the record. Okay. I, I have not heard that. Okay. That has never been discussed at a county board meeting. So I, I'm not saying. I think it's before you were on the board. I, I have not heard that. So just okay. as a point of order. Okay. Well, we have. And, and we're out being. And you know, we're not privy to the discussions of the board, and, and, and we're, we'd be happy to have you share them with us. So where did the money come from to build the annex? Is that a city building or is that a county building? Because I don't remember having vote on that. Yeah, so that's that, that's a good question. And, and I'll conclude in a minute and we'll open it up to questions. But, but just to address this one for a second, um, you are among a lot of people who, who have no really good understanding of how all these pieces work together. And a lot of people who I talk to say, yeah, gee, wouldn't it be nice if the city could save its courthouse? Well, it's not the city's courthouse to save, right? It's the county's courthouse to save. And then if you ask city county board members, maybe someone who's in the audience today could say, who owns the courthouse today? Does the Public Buildings Commission, a body of the county, uh, the Rock Island County, own it? Or does the county itself own it? Because we, can't, we I've gone to the Public Buildings Commission's meetings, and they won't give us an answer to that. And I go to the county board meetings, and they won't give us an answer to that. So the people who are in our community don't even know. The people who are sitting on, on the PBC don't know who owns it. So I, I can't answer that question. Seriously? Nobody knows where no. the money came and, from? And the, oh, so the money came from an issuance of, a, of a, a public bond. And that was this issue has come up, I'm told, for a vote on numerous times, voted down, and as a result, they created the Public Buildings Commission so that it could issue the bonds without having to get a vote among the people. Well, that's ridiculous. Well, and, and that's where we are today. 
Let me just plow through. Um, we're, we're told uh, that, the, that the county that the county has reached out. I'll be real quick here, folks. Please bear with me. The county reached out, and no one's interested in taking the courthouse. Well, no one reached out to me. No one did the RFP. None of, as they're doing for Hope Creek, which is probably a smart thing to do, would have been nice to have done it in this case. No one has made an offer, as Frank illustrated, when you're gonna sell real estate, put a sign out in front of the building, like you do your own house. Um, we have, this is getting to be stale news, but we have to demolish the clutter house, otherwise we'll be sued by Valley Construction. <laughs> well, guess what, you got sued after all. <laughs> and, and, and that's a completely specious, fictional reason why would Valley Construction want to sue over that. Um, we need, we need the jobs that will be produced by the demolition. This argument has been made to me. I'm, I'm not the best in the world with math, but even I know that $8 million is more than a few hundred thousand dollars. Uh, we, can't, we can't sell the courthouse now because of the lawsuit filed by Landmarks Illinois. That's untrue. No, they, they can. That would end the lawsuit. You sell it, boom, lawsuit's over, that goes away. I, I believe there's, they've spent as much as $100,000 or more already to defend the opportunity to tear down your courthouse. Your money, your money would be spent on something obviously more productive. Uh, the courthouse, they said that the courthouse cannot be renovated and leased back to the county or any governmental agency. So if you kind of want the best of all worlds, you sell it to a private entity, it does the development, it has the benefit of the historic tax credits that incentivize the redevelopment. If the county wants to lease back space, to preserve government uses within the so-called courthouse square, then they can lease back that building and then perhaps at a later time acquire it themselves in a more in, uh, inexpensive way than they can do today. And that has happened, by the way, in, uh, in Rockford, Illinois. We already have a template for that. So uh, we think that that, there are not, not an infinite number of ways, but innumerable ways that this project be uh, productive for all parties involved. Uh, one issue has been, well, the courthouse is too close to other buildings and it presents some kind of security risk. We have, <laughs> we have examples all over the state where there are courthouses proximate to other buildings and that issue has not presented itself. Uh, we have gone to, there's, this, there's an agency called the National Center for State Courts that talks about the safety and security of, of uh, courthouses. Please understand, none of us is desirous to have a, a safety risk. So we look into their best practices, and what we're proposing doesn't violate them at all. Uh, there, there's this, we think, a fictional argument about possible snipers. Um, and I, I, could, I know we're all laughing, but I can tell you, I've had very productive discussions with board members who, uh, who at the end of it, say, Joe, I think you're right on everything, but what about the snipers? And I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. That's happened to me. And, and incidentally, here's a good question. If people were worried about the proximity of the new annex to the historic courthouse, why did you build it so close in the first place? Right, there you go. Mm -hmm. That's right. People have said that the courthouse is in a, in a state of functional decrepitude and has uh, consumed its useful life. Well, Frank showed you, he's had engineers all over the building. They say, you know, like all of us, could use a little facelift maybe, but, but is otherwise has good bones. This is what we inherited over at the Abbey. A lot of people have been to the Abbey. It's, a, we think, a sterling example of historic preservation. I promise you, we inherited it in a worse state than the courthouse is today. This is what, Frank's had some pictures of this, but this is what it looked like. We took it back to the studs. 
Um, and our, our colleague, local architect Lo Malani, has been all through the building and endorses this renovation as well. I talked to you earlier about uh, the, the stone that is made of it. I mean, it's, it's meant to last uh, the test of time. I forgot to mention uh, Yankee Stadium, which is also made out of the same stone. Um, okay, well anyway, just to, to close with the concept that we really want to work as a community here, I hope, I hope that sentiment is coming across. We, we have no reason or desire to perpetuate a fight here, and we appreciate uh, your interest in this important subject. And uh, I think that now it's a good time to open it up to any questions. Greg. So the question I have for you is, is your consortium um, or a strong labor area? Yeah. Are they committed to honoring project labor agreements if this thing were, if this decision were to be reversed? Yes, and I've reached out to them, and they won't get back to me. So I'm trying to, when we're when building a coalition, you want, to, want it to be as, as big a tent as possible. So I've reached out to them, and I think whoever has can get into their ear, may suggest to them, hey, this is an opportunity for millions of dollars worth of jobs. Maybe you want to talk to the people who are supporting this. So yes, we're very positive about that. Uh, wherever possible, we try to do prevailing wage, for example, among other things. In the back. Uh, my name is Sean Huffman. I'm actually from Iowa. S-E-A-N-H-U-F-F-M-A-N. Uh, I think I have some of the answers you're looking for. Okay. I'm involved in a custody case in Rock Island, and I've proved criminal criminal activity by the judges. And you're wondering, what does this have to do with a custody case? Well, if you'll remember, about two years ago, Walter Broad was featured in the, he's the chief judge, who was featured in the paper uh, about tearing down this uh, courthouse, and he wanted it done in a hurry. Uh, I have enough information that I can prove that Walter Broad is uh, leading a criminal organization over there, and this is part of it. I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Bear with me. I appreciate you saying that. Look me up on Facebook. St st stick around. I'll give you the proof. Stick around. We'll take your name and everything if you if you'd like to keep talking with us. But but here's here's my request. Um, you know it's it's evident that that there can be high emotion around this issue, and we would like to be able in the event that there's disagreement, we'd like to do that in a not disagreeable way. And I'm not suggesting that you did. No, I'm just, I want the truth out there. Understood. I have evidence to give it. Understood, so. we, we do too. But let's try to focus on the, on the facts here, in this case, and not the personality. It's a money yeah. scheme. Understood. It's a money well, scheme. But someone having it. Walter Broad, Clarence Darrow, all of them. Got it, okay. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, so it's it sounds like the uh, lawsuit that's currently been in place uh, was started because the county didn't initially look for any investors at all. Um, they, they went straight to demolition without first uh, shopping around. There's, there's a couple components to the lawsuit, but I'll speak to the, the Preservation Act component. I think that's what's become the more the angle you're asking. Uh, what the Preservation Act does is it, it establishes a, a process. When there's state or federal involvement, there are processes set in place um, to see does this adversely affect historic resources. So that's the first question of the process. Does this project adversely affect historic resources? Well, demolition would typically be an adverse effect. Then it says, all right, now in good faith, we have to look for any feasible alternatives that could potentially avoid the impact, um, uh, minimize it, or eliminate it. Or sorry, avoid it, minimize it, or mitigate it. So uh, the, the process is, is it's a, con a consultation process. So 
uh, working with uh, state partners such as Landmarks Illinois. Um, so it doesn't necessarily prescribe an outcome of what's going to happen, okay. but it's uh, evaluating those, and that's the that's the process that the county was saying does not apply to them. So it was more like uh, instead of going looking for the least. Uh, destructive route that just kind of went straight to demolition? It, 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 it's, it's, it's one, yeah, we're, we, we want to um, uphold state law with the Preservation Act, um, but also at the same time, there's, uh, you know, what's just good public policy for, you know, I have, uh, nobody's offered to buy my house when I go home tonight. Now I can conclude that means my house has no value. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would posit, uh, I need to go actively seek the marketplace, put it up for sale. And so while the um, lawsuit establishes the, the process for the Preservation Act, we're also talking here as well about what is just good public policy for the dispensation of uh, existing county resources. Before you put it in the landfill, before you spend money to put it in the landfill, why not ask, Does anybody else, can anybody else make use of it? Okay. Yes, please. If somebody buys that and redoes it, and they say, say it's attorney's offices, could they allow, say, like the recorder's office to be part of that, even though it's a county entity? Um, yeah, I, I, of course they can. And, and, how do, and how do I know that? Because I own buildings that I lease to governmental agencies, and side by side I have private tenants as well. So of course they can, can cohabitate the same. The same building. Then, and since we've had all these bad weather conditions, Joe, since this has happened, the holes in the ceiling, and right. I presume that that tunnel that used to go under the street and everything, that that's all been taken into account as well, and that can all be addressed. Yeah, I, I mean, listen. <laughs> let's say I'm let's say I'm the developer and I have a, a great new building and I put law offices in there. I would prefer not to have a tunnel that goes straight to the to the jail, right? So, <laughs> so, so I can promise you that the people who would get involved in this would be savvy enough to address all those types of questions. So, so uh, I can tell you that I, I don't know anything about the tunnel, and I can tell you also that I'm not. I I, I got a tour of the, the the courthouse by the then state's attorney John McGee. And I've been in his office. That, that's how I know the condition of the building in comparison to the other historic projects that I've already done. That's why I can say with experience and authority, this can be done here, in my view, that more efficiently and with a better result than the projects that I've already done. Now, does that mean that I know where every bolt that needs to be changed? Of course not. So, but, but some me, someone like me, would resolve all those issues. And I think, you know, one of the criticisms that we've heard is, well, the annex already doesn't have enough space, and so they need more space. And our uh, lo local expert here, Lomalani, architect, has designed a bridge that could connect the two buildings. And where have we seen this before? I don't know if you've been to the University of Iowa Hospital, yeah. perhaps some of you have. Yeah. You walk around, you're in some modern space, you turn a corner, boom, Gothic building. It's like right there, yeah. So um, you, you see different examples of integration of old and new in different instances. So I, 
we're, we're confident about that part of it. I also wanted to address what Angie said, and I really appreciate her coming and her addressing that, and I'm really happy to hear that you have not heard, and that, that is really good news to me because um, in addition to being concerned that this would be torn down, I was even more concerned when I went to um, Public Building Commission, which I've been going to for over a year, and that, and that was discussed. So I'm glad that that project is not moving forward because that does not at all fit what we would want for our community. We don't want to come over the Centennial You're Bridge. About the the yeah. Yes, we don't want to come over the Centennial Bridge and, and say this is where we jail our children. So I'm really glad that that has not been brought to the county board because um, that is something that the Public Building Commission has been talking about and the fact that it hasn't been brought to the county board is, is good news in, in, um, in my opinion. So thank you for sharing that because that is one of the things that we were wondering about. Tim? Yeah, i uh, got a couple questions. So we've heard all of this. What can those who are interested do to help you? What, first of all, what's the best, what's the best means? Probably the, the most valuable thing you can do is sign our sign-in sheet and leave us your email address so that we can convey more information to you. The second most important thing you can do is contact the county board and um, it, there are 25 of them, um, it's a lot, um, so it will take some time to go through that, but they, uh, I will give them credit for one thing, they will uh, listen to what you have to say. So uh, if, if, if we can persuade them uh, if we reach out to them. And then the second thing is, uh, in my previous job I was doing federal procurements, and one thing with that is that the federal government always wanted you to uh, maintain your assets. Is there anything statewide? Because my understanding is that the sheriff had money to maintain this building, and that it was returned. Now, to me, as a federal procurement employee, that would get me in severe trouble in an audit if I returned my money to maintain my asset. Is there any, and, and if it doesn't exist, should perhaps our state representatives be going out there and saying, hey, we're giving you this, this state money to build these assets. Why are you not maintaining them? I mean, when I, when we worked on buses, for example, they had a 12-year use of life. You had to maintain that. If you failed your audit, you did not get state money or federal money in that circumstance. Is there anything being used to address that? Well, here's what I would say about that. Um, first of all, I want to reiterate, we, we want to be on a positive note uh, tonight and really as much as possible throughout. So. Um, so I want to try to stick to the facts in that regard. I will, I, having said that, I will tell you that if any of us had owned the courthouse over these last few decades, we would all, particularly when allocated resources toward repair and maintenance, would have spent them to do so. And so it has been suggested to me, and some people would refer to it as benign neglect, and other people will call it an attention, intentional neglect. But regardless, it seems evident that the building has not been faithfully maintained, and that's why it's in the condition that it is today. Sadly, sadly, I think that one of the results of that is people who have had some affiliation with the courthouse over the years have felt that by not maintaining it, that, that somehow those decision makers were disfavoring the people who worked in the, or had some connection to that building. And so they say, yeah, I had to work in there. They never fixed anything screw that building, I want it torn down. And you can kind of see why someone might say that. So we're coming in, clean slate, let's, uh, you know, the, we'll leave it to lawyers to, to drill down as to, you know, 
what money should have been allocated when. I mean, as a related question and more, more timely, there's a hole in the roof, right? We all know about the hole in the roof, and we've had a lot of, I think, record rain. Um, is there any reason why they can't put a tarp on the roof? Right, that's simple. Or so, someone else put a tarp on That's right, that's right. So, anyway. I just wanna add, like, it's a remarkable situation it is. I just want to, to, to land that um, we, we, can, we can acknowledge that the, you know, the courthouse hasn't been maintained to the standard of which the occupants would have wanted. But after years of such condition that the, the county's own estimates show it is less expensive to rehab that building than to build an equivalent new building. So this, this type of construction is quite remarkable that you can neglect it for years and still have it be less expensive to get a, a comparable amount of space than new construction. And I, you know some of these, you know, I'm not gonna speculate on every new building there is, but some of these new buildings are, you know, a lot of styrofoam and, you know, some boards in there. Neglect those for a fair bit of time and let's see if it fares as well as this historic courthouse. I mean, this thing's, again, built like a tank. So if, if we put, you know, a lot of folks are judging it as it is today. Um, with that investment of, of, of uh, rehab and reuse, uh, we could, you know, potentially get another 100 years out of that building, no problem. The county's argument as to why they can't do any of the things you suggested is they took a vote on it and the vote passed. They cannot go back and redo that vote. <laughs> what's, what's the legal uh, the term I like to use is democracy. Um, you know, we, we can vote and re-vote, right? So uh, in, a, in our society, we've seen our views on different issues uh, evolve over time. And so in, in my estimation, we need a new vote on this subject for a, lot of for a lot of different reasons. There are new board members who were denied the opportunity to vote on that. There are um, these historic tax credits that weren't uh, in effect until this year. So had this, had this discussion occurred you know, 15 months ago, or, or sorry, put it 15, you know, three months ago, uh, we would have been able to discuss intelligently how the state historic tax credits could have been applied. And had they done the RFP at that time, then maybe there would have been more interest for it and so forth. So we, we think that, I mean, we're, we're comparing. We, this, this meeting exists to change the minds of a few people who profess to be on the fence about this issue, some of whom we're very fortunate to have in the audience tonight. And so we're appreciative of their open-mindedness and want to give them an opportunity to put the matter to a vote. What has been more vexing is that we've been denied the opportunity to have a dialogue like we're having tonight. And, um, and, and that would have educated all those board members a year ago, or whenever, so we're, we, we, we want to, uh, if, if, if the answer in the end is, yeah, it's a really swell idea to still tear down this building, let's at least have a robust discussion about it, and not one limited to three minutes every month, which is how we're being constrained right now, so. Yes, Doctor? Yes, uh, first of all, it doesn't make any sense to spend 1.5 to $2 million to tear something down of this nature, and that's hurting the taxpayers. The other thing is, why can't this get on the ballot box somehow? Well, here, and my last question is, I know I'm probably wrong here, 
but uh, it's never too late. I know it's probably not on the National Historic Register, but why can't it get on there? Why don't you address that? Sure, uh, the building was determined eligible in 2017 for the National Register. From a developer standpoint, uh, when looking at the tax credits, they essentially consider that as good as listed because basically that means, when, when you say it's determined eligible, it means just someone has to write the report, has to do the, 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 the research and put it all together and list it on the National Register. And for a developer, that's this much of their budget, you know, is paying someone to do that. So that's as good as listed. They just, they'll have someone do it. Also, there is a downtown National Register district, which is going through for uh, Rock Island. I think it's going to the Keeper right now. And that building is a contributing building to that, that district. Um, so that's as good as listed at that point for the consideration of the tax credits. And with respect to the strategy, you know, really the, the, best, the best and least challenging, least expensive opportunity is for the county board to settle the lawsuit from Landmarks Illinois, to agree to work with the community to find a new purpose for this. Mm -hmm. That saves everybody a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of angst, and um, we only need a, a handful of votes uh, to, to persuade the board to make that decision. And so, we, you know, rather than having a big expensive referendum on the issue, a big complicated uh, proliferation of the litigation, why, why not just have, I mean, I, I think that the people who run for office in our community want to do right by the people whom they serve. And I hope that what they're hearing is, we care about this courthouse. Please help us find a path for its future. Is that right? Is that what you yes. hear? <laughs> I see that it's about quarter to eight, and I want to respect everybody's time. I'll stay till you know next Wednesday if you want, but, but uh, I'll take maybe one or two last questions, and then we can adjourn. You can stick around. Yes, sir. You first. Two observations. One is that the people I've heard that say they want it torn down, they say it's going to cost the county money, and, and so we have to get rid of that false. I don't know where it came from. The idea that it's costing them money but we need to eliminate that, because that's the only real argument I've heard. The other is that everybody complains about, oh, Iowa grows and Illinois doesn't. And we say, what can we do, what can we do? It's things like this, why Iowa grows, and we don't. Right. Because the government doesn't want to cooperate with what's happening to make things move forward. I agree with you, and I would add, that that's how you pick up momentum as well. So you have one success, he gets another success, etc. Yes, ma'am. Well, my question kind of relates with his. People are concerned. What would be the cost of doing the studies to sell the courthouse versus the cost of tearing it down? Well, to begin with, we're very fortunate, as Dylan mentioned earlier, the city of Rock Island, which has expertise in this field, could say we're, we'll volunteer our community development resources for this project. No cost to the county. No additional, I mean, those people are on our payroll already, and they, and they do this kind of thing. So, um, two more questions, then we'll close. Oh, oh to, then to piggyback again off of yours, uh, like what if the developer or a, a company that sells historic land uh, be willing to like do it for free and then take like a cut of the sale, like a commission, like any home realtor would? Yeah, I mean, listen, so we're- it still wind up being, to begin with, and then after the sale, 
we're not uh, ha we're not happening upon a new problem or a new issue, right? And so the governments own buildings that they want to dispose of all the time, and and just by sure coincidence, we happen to be doing that with Hope Creek right now too, and they're following a very different model, right? They're hiring investment bankers, they're out pitching it to potential investors. So a much more professional effort is being made in that regard. I think, I think that with respect to, to marketing the, the courthouse, it, it could be something as simple as the for sale sign in the yard, <laughs> right? To calling up people who've done this kind of thing before. Who, who's doing it in Davenport? Uh, what Joe did at Abbey Station, is he interested in it? Let's talk to him. They kick me out of the office. They won't meet with me, right? So, and then, and then you keep going down farther along the line of being more and more professional about it and having a broader distribution of solicitation of inquiries. And then you get people like the Gorman Group that, that Dylan was mentioning earlier. And they say, boy, this is interesting to us. Because, listen, policy, public policy matters, right? So when you, when you say, I'm going to give you a 25% historic tax credit uh, for historic preservation, People who are in that field say, ding, 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 Illinois is now on the map. Mm -hmm. Which projects can give me five out of five of the criteria? Rock Island Courthouse, now I'll step up. So that's how you can have you know, possibly more competitive bid. And just on that note, a closing remark from me. Uh, just to note that you know, I work with a lot of counties across the state, and being a county board member is not an easy job. There are real hard problems to wrestle with and we can, we can uh, you know, articulate here the, the virtues of this, the job creation, the tax revenue, um, but it's, it's on all of us to sort of convince our, our neighbors and the board members at large to give them the space to realize what's past is past, the building's still standing, these economic opportunities are still in existence, how do I pivot forward? And maybe the state historic tax credit, which no project could have gotten before January 1st, is now the space they need to say, hey, Here's an incentive. We are super competitive. And now is the time to, to change our course and, and market this building for reuse. So it's on all of us to sort of give ourselves and the county board the space to do that. So I encourage you to all to go out and contact your neighbors and friends. Okay. Let me close with this. We asked the question, we look around other communities, some perceive them perhaps as thriving more than this one here. And we ask the question, how do we do that? And I tell you, the answer is look to your left and look to your right. It's the people in this room right now who are taking control of your own community and speaking up and saying what is important to you and asking your officials to hear you and to work with your community to have these successes, to build the momentum so that you can have a future for this community that competes with Scott County and other places around the country. So thank you very much for attending tonight.